I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in Episode 13 of Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in Dynasty Fantasy Football. You can find the show on Twitter at Dynasty Debates. I am your humble host, Evan Brown. You can follow me on Twitter if you so wish at FF Evolution, the humblest host. I have with me a super duper special guest today. I genuinely am super excited about this because I have the one and only Pharaoh of Fantasy, Izzy Alcafez at DTC underscore Izzy E on Twitter. He is none other than the co-founder of the Dynasty Trade Calculator and co-host of the DTC podcast at FF Dynasty Trades on Twitter. Definitely a big, big fan of him and his work. Dynasty Trade Calculator, cannot recommend it enough. And that is coming from somebody who I I help rank and do work for the Dynasty Nerds. So I mean this is this is sleeping with the enemy here. And I can't <laughs> I can't recommend him enough. I, I'm super happy that he's taking time out to come talk to us. Izzy, how the heck are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing? I, I wouldn't say nerds are very close allies, I would say. I, and I, I don't <laughs> think this is one of those keep your friends close and enemies closer thing. Um, we generally like the guys at, at nerds. So, you know, you're, you're still family. If you're with the nerds, you're still considered family, even though we are technically competitors. Absolutely. No, I was just joking there. hundred percent, man. Like we have, I know Rich and Garrett and all those guys have nothing but respect for you guys and what you're doing. And um, yeah, honestly, I, I highly, highly recommend the, the dynasty trade calculator, especially if anybody's new to dynasty or, you know, just getting to grips with doing a lot of trades and things like that. It's an invaluable tool. And we will get into that a lot more later as i'm sure you've already guessed but before we go any further izzy how was week 12 for you really good actually i've had a pretty good season you know a couple teams dealt with some injuries this week but overall um i'd say it's been a successful 2021 considering there's been a lot of injuries and I've, i've dodged some pretty even with the injuries that i've been dealt I've still managed to keep my teams afloat, which is really difficult to do sometimes. Uh, so all the teams that I was really planning on contending this year are all playoff bound. So I don't have any teams that I went into the season expecting to compete that didn't put it together. Actually, no, I have nice. one. Excuse me. I had one where after the first two weeks, I pulled the plug right away um, just yeah. because I lost Cam Akers early in the off season. Uh, and I was a really kind of shaky at, um, my depth, my depth on the roster. So I figured ah, maybe if some of these like lower end guys start to surface, but once acres went down, I was kind of like, Hey, I'll see how the first couple weeks go. And then I'll yank it or yank the plug. So I would say all but one to, to be very fair. good. No, it's, that is great. It's nice when it falls that way for you. I had the, the opposite of that last year where I had a couple of teams that I was really excited about and everything just kind of yep. fell the wrong way. And it was like, this is this sucks and it was just like yep. middle of the road annoying horribleness last year this year as well though to be fair i mean it's it's insane like i was thinking about it looking just putting the show sheet together today and i was like man how are so many people injured every single week like are we gonna have anybody to start when it comes to the playoffs like it's insane um yep. but just a reminder to everybody don't forget we have a mini bi-apocalypse this week. We've got the Panthers, Browns, Packers, and Titans on by this week. So make sure and get them out of your lineups. And speaking of Panthers, that leads me nicely into the next segment here. Hatchet man does not lie. A hatchet man. Right up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Anyone can carry a hatchet, even a liar. Now, Izzy, I know this is your first time on the pod, so just a quick background for you. A hatchet man is somebody who's just completely made a balls of things and has really annoyed you um, and just tanked your squad this week. So there was a couple of potential candidates out there, but I am giving hatchet fully to one Cam Newton. Um, he really, really, really did me dirty in a couple of leagues. Um, 
you know, in his first start with the Panthers, I was I was cool and level-headed. I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit him on the bench. I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to see what this looks like. And he smashed. He was QB4 on the week. He absolutely tore up the Washington football team defense, which has played a little bit better, better as of late. So it wasn't even that mean. It wasn't even like, oh, that was a rubbish team like the Jets or the Texans. So I thought, get that's it. Firing him up. Here we go. And he, he, he absolutely crapped the bed. I mean, against Miami, he scored just over eight points, which includes a rushing touchdown. So that's six of his eight points. Um, he was QB 29 on the week and he ended up getting benched for PJ Walker. That's how bad it was. I, 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 I literally, I couldn't believe this. He had a passer rating of 5.8. So I don't even know how that is possible. I'm pretty sure if they threw me sure. in the starting lineup, I couldn't get a much worse passer rating. So yeah, I, forget, I am absolutely I forget what it is. If you, I forget what the number is, what you start with and then, but 5.8 is is not not ideal at all. <laughs> it's, it is not. It is no bueno. I, I don't even know how you can get to 5.8. I mean, I feel like you have to be trying. Maybe he put some money on the other team or something. I don't know. But this was not good. He tanked me in a couple of leagues, and especially one league where I was 10-1 going up another against the other 10-1 for bragging rights. And needless to say, I did not come away with those bragging rights. So, Izzy, who was your hatchet man of the week? Who do you got for us? So... I'm going to look at this a little differently because I didn't really have anybody outside of Godwin. The way that my week went was pretty good in week 12, and Godwin is the only one that I could kind of put blame on But for my one loss in my contending teams. But I don't want to do that because I think it's kind of a collective. It wasn't just one guy that cost me to lose. It was the whole unit did. So I'm going to look at it more of looking forward, and I'm more frustrated with, with A.J. Brown than I am with just about anybody. Running backs get hurt, so I don't want to blame the running backs. They're just, it's a tough, it's a tough sport for running backs. So I'm going to look at it from AJ Brown's perspective. To me, is like uh, I have him as my wide receiver one on a couple of my really good teams, and now I lose him for the three weeks. So he's eligible to come back week 15, which would be the first week of the playoffs. But even before then, he was, you know, he averaged six points per game or six and a half points per game. Um, he has 20 points total in the last four weeks. Of course, he only played three because he was hurt. Is that not what you want from your wide receiver one? No, no, brutal. So I would say those those are the guys because, I mean, those are – when you get your wide receiver ones putting up five points every single week over the last few weeks, that'll that'll kill you. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. That's a, that's a good shout. Um, speaking of running backs getting injured, that actually – is kind of a highlight event of the next segment here. Spilling the tea. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he is injured again. Um, his ankle got rolled up on, and apparently it's bad enough where they have placed him on season-ending IR. A couple of my le- my teams are very unhappy about this. Um Daryl Henderson suffered a quad strain, is going to be monitored through the week, but should hopefully be good to go. Debo Samuel suffered a groin strain, is expected to miss one to two weeks. That's very not good news for people who have been relying on him. Looking forward to the playoffs. Darren Waller picked up a knee injury, but he has been practicing in some fashion. He's considered week to week. DeAndre Swift suffered a shoulder sprain, is unlikely to play this week, but at least it's not too serious. So again, hopefully he'll be back for the fantasy playoffs. Looks like Taysom Hill is um, set to be potentially taking over as the starter. That's the rumor. The whispers from the bushes this week is that Taysom Hill is taking first team reps while Simeon is down with the second teamers for the Saints. Um, Jalen Hurts picked up an ankle injury and could affect his availability. There's some... Uh, potential hints that Gardner Minshew might get a start if it doesn't pick up much. Um, and then lastly, Miles Sanders did suff- suffer an ankle injury in the second half of the Eagles um, defeat to the Giants, but he is trending towards being available for week 13. Um, you know, if there's a couple of bits there that you want to point out, Izzy, but I would like to get your take on this Christian McCaffrey thing. I mean, it's been such a frustrating roller coaster these last two years when we know the talent, we know the ability, we know what he's capable of, but he cannot stay on the field. Where are you at with McCaffrey and Dynasty? What's your what's your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, so he's um he's been a he's been a sell for me. Um just because I don't really love the idea of holding on to running backs with A heavy workloads and B sitting at the top of the the food chain, the running back food chain, um for just like an extended period of time. It's only a matter of time where things start to go south for a player. Um and you're kind of left holding the bag when guys like that get hurt. So it makes more sense to cash out on players like that. Now, if you have like one share, if you have like five or six leagues and you have one share of Christian McCaffrey, I have no issue with you holding on to him. And I, I have one share that I held on to in a contending team. I don't hate it. It is what it is. Like he's a league winner. So you don't want to give up on a player like that just to cash out early. Um, but if you have like a 30% exposure or a even a 25% exposure, bringing that down, I think is probably pretty beneficial for your overall like, portfolio. Cause I look at everything, all my leagues is like a giant portfolio. So I don't look at it as an individual league. I look at it as a collective. Um, so with McCaffrey moving forward now, I think he becomes a buy because at this point I'm okay scooping him up for where his value is going to currently reside, especially as the next few weeks go by and we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Um, his value will slowly trickle down. I've actually, I pay attention to what happens to players that get hurt when they initially get hurt. People are reluctant to give up on them uh, because it's just kind of it too fresh. But as one week goes by and he's on IR, obviously and the following week goes by, he's on IR. You start to, to lose some of that emotion of, Hey, I can't sell now. I don't want to be that sucker to the point where you're like, I just want to get something for Christian McCaffrey. So I think he becomes a buy in the next couple of weeks and just write him out over the next few years at that discounted price, because he could provide you that top five, top three, top one production over the next couple of years at half of the price that you were expected to pay for him when he was healthy. If that nice. makes sense. So even if you're rebuilding or contending, I think any dynasty team could go after Christian McCaffrey in the pocket of exchanging him for, like, if you can somehow figure out a way to flip, you know, Zeke and something to get McCaffrey or one of these lower running backs, like a Montgomery and something to get McCaffrey. Um, doesn't have to be big, can be try, just try to do like a tertiary player, or secondary player, like a wide receiver three or a flex player to see if you can kind of get lucky because somebody might be frustrated, especially if Christian McCaffrey is on a contender and that that guy wants to exchange for a, a healthy running back. It's possible that desperation becomes a thing, especially over the next couple of weeks with contenders. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I know um, I only have McCaffrey in three leagues and those three leagues, I'm a strong contender. And so now, you know, my RB1 has gone down and it leaves you in a really like crappy situation because like you said, you don't want to sell low and just panic sell. But at the same time, you're sort of like, ah, it's right before the playoffs. I'm a contender. I want to go for this, you know? Um, so it is, it's a tricky situation for sure, but I, I totally get where you're coming from as far as like, he could easily become a buy because there's so much reaction in the dynasty community. It feels like, you know, that everyone just panics collectively on a player and decides, you know, that they're completely done with them when that's maybe a bit ridiculous and a bit over the top. Um, so yeah, it definitely is a, a situation to monitor and there definitely could be some gains to be had on either side of it over the next few weeks, especially like you said, once the, the dust settles a bit from the initial frustration stroke shock of him going back on IR again. Yep. I think if, if you are contending and you're looking to replace McCaffrey, the one guy I would actually try to go after, even though his values increased because of Zeke's troubles is Tony Pollard. Um, the Cowboys have a very easy playoff stretch with Zeke kind of struggling with his injury. That could get worse. They could shut him down until the playoffs. Um, if they end up winning enough games, uh, but assuming that they do win the division, which looks like they will, um, they could shut him down by week 15, week 16, just to get him healthy for the playoffs. And then you have Tony Pollard. He's going to be significantly cheaper than a lot of the other guys that you'd have to pay for. That way you don't have to trade Christian McCaffrey if you want to hang on to him until he regains some of his value. And like I said, the Cowboys have a very soft 
uh, fantasy playoff schedule. No, I like that a lot. That's that's a good shout. Always always like little tidbits like that. Employee of the week. So full disclosure for last week, <laughs> I feel like um, I maybe I, I was I was I was in the midst of reaction and I made a call and it was a bad call. So hands up, I made a bad call last week. I apologize to everyone. Um, I said Dak Prescott could be a bus mark candidate for last week, um, but the reasoning was I mean it was fairly solid reasoning. I, I was like you know he played like absolute crap against the Chiefs. Um, the Raiders secondary is pretty good. He was down Amari. He was down CD. So I said, look, let's just pump the brakes. Just be careful. You never know what could happen. But of course he came out, made me look like an idiot. And he was like QB three on the week, which is fantastic. So if you played Dak, well done. And if you didn't, and it was in any way, my fault, apologies. Um, I, to be fair, I didn't say, you know, just kick him to the curb. I just said, if you have another great option and you're willing to pivot, might be a week worth doing on a short week when he played that bad, but it did not work out. So. Apologies. My um, my nomination for Studs Are Us was Miles Sanders, and he got injured in the second half. So again, we don't fully know how that would have gone, but he did have nine attempts for 64 yards, so it was looking pretty good, pretty solid, even in a very bad performance for the Eagles against the Giants. Moving on to this week for week 13 and for Bossmart. So player that you either are probably starting or at least you're very strongly considering starting that I am kind of pumping the brakes on for me is David Montgomery. And the reasons being are last week against the Lions, who are a bottom three run defense for, against, in, for fantasy anyways, he only managed 46 yards on 17 attempts um, and he got three targets. So pretty rough, pretty poor outing. Um, they're going up against the Cardinals this week and the Cardinals are just coming off their bye week. So they've had a good long time to think about this plan, get a good solid game plan together. And they are actually sixth against fantasy running backs, allowing only 15 points per game. I... Just the Bears are all over the place at the moment. Obviously, Fields got injured. It wasn't playing particularly great before that. Their offensive line has been up and down. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's back in. It's just all over the place at the moment. So for me, if he doesn't get in the end zone, which you know is always a possibility with these running backs, you never know. But if he doesn't get in the end zone, I think you will be fairly disappointed, or you could be fairly disappointed. So again, not saying don't start David Montgomery. I'm just saying if you are starting him, maybe don't expect a huge massive blow up game and have some other options in your flex, some maybe higher ceiling guys um izzy do you have any anybody that you want to throw out there for boss mart um yeah i think it's a an entire unit but i'll highlight the one player that's the top player in that unit and it's jamar chase so he's actually kind of been on a downward trend over the last few weeks because of his inefficiency uh so i actually tweeted this a few days ago or yesterday i think it was but um jamar chase's first seven games um in the nfl he averaged 7.2 targets had five receptions for 107 and just under a touchdown um he had a 69 percent catch rate 21 and a half in yards per reception 15 in yards per target honestly it's historic efficiency the last four games however his targets have actually increased by eight percent to 7.8 targets but his production has dropped, especially in the yardage department, by 70%. He's averaging 3.8 receptions, 38 yards, half a touchdown, only 48% his catch rate, his yards per reception are 10, and his yards per target down by a third or two-thirds to 4.9 yards per target. So he went from one of the most efficient, well, the most efficient in the league to one of the least efficient in the league. Um all within an 11-week period. So the issue now moving forward is he goes up against a Chargers uh, team this week that is top three against the pass, and they're only giving up 218 pass yards per game. They held Dak to 237. They held Mahomes to 260. They held Derek Carr up to 196, who's putting up crazy amounts of yards this season. Uh, Lamar Jackson put up 167, and the only player to have success, the only duo to have success against the Chargers are Cousins and um, Justin Jefferson. So is it possible that Burrow and Chase hit a long play? Yes, but I think you're really just banking on Jamar Chase hitting that one big play because I think that if 
he has that long game taken away from him like he has the last four weeks, I think you're going to see something similar to what you've seen. And he's probably going to be in that range of where he has three or four receptions for, you know, 30 to 50 yards. And if he, he might get lucky to get in the end zone on, you know, a, a red zone play. So I would say the entire Cincy passing attack, I'd be a little worried about um, with Higgins, Boyd, a lot of mouths to feed and needing Chase to really come out of his slump. I don't think that's the game this week. So I expect him to have another dud going into week 13. Yeah, that's actually a really good call because when I was kind of looking at the um, the matchups and kind of making my decisions, I actually considered having Burrow as my bus mark candidate of the week just because for a lot of those exact reasons, you know, even last week when they kind of destroyed the Steelers, he didn't have a fantastic game himself. You know, it was a lot through the run game. Um, Mixon's on fire at the moment and you can really just, you can tear up the Chargers on the ground. So oh, yeah, again, they're one of the worst. It could be a real mix in week, you know, and then, like you say, it could just be luck of the draw. Is it Higgins? Is it Boyd? Is it Chase that gets in the end zone maybe, or if they even get in the end zone? So absolutely great call. And for Studs or Us, again, just a reminder, Studs or Us, I mean, this is not where we're going to say, hey, start Saquon Barkley or, or hey, you know, let's let's start Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those are obvious. This is where we're, we're dumpster diving here, okay? We're trying to look into the crystal ball and find out a, a diamond in the rough. And it doesn't get any rougher than the Detroit Lions. So I'm actually going to throw the name Josh Reynolds out there. Um, basically, it, for a couple of reasons. So first game with the Lions there, he managed a 20% target share just fresh off the bus. Um, and he had three receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown. So decent outing. And he's playing my, well, my and Izzy's Vikings. And they are the worst. They're not just one of the worst. They're the worst defense against opposing wide receivers for fantasy, um, giving up almost 27 points per game. Patrick Peterson um, just got put on the reserve COVID-19 list. So in theory, I'm assuming he will be out, which, you know, that doesn't mean much maybe. But again, he's one of their better um, corners. So even against the lowly Lions, um, especially if DeAndre Swift is to miss, they really don't have a lot of weapons. They've got Hawkinson, they've got Reynolds, um, and they've got Jamal Williams on the ground. So I would say, again, I'm not expecting him to finish as a top three wide receiver on the week, but I think you could do worse, especially with buys and things like that, than throwing them in your flex um, and hopefully getting a few more long long targets there from Jared King Jared Goffrey. Um, Izzy, what do you got for us? Who is your Studs RS nomination for week 13? So how how low or how high can we go? Because I have a couple. I kind of have like a, a sneaky one that I think yes could do, do well. But I, I mean, I, the one that I, I think should be in every lineup this week is Boston Scott. Even though when you have started him, he's only getting you – he's averaging 11. With, with Miles Sanders out, he's averaging – 11 carries for right around 60 yards and just under a touchdown. So he's getting a double-digit production. Um, however, he hasn't played the Jets every week, and this week he gets the Jets. So he would be like the guy that he should be in every flex lineup just based on the matchup. Jordan Howard's yeah. hurt. Miles Sanders hurt. Philly loves to keep the ball, grind the grind the game out. You know They don't trust Jalen Hurts as a, as a passer all that much. Um, so I, I think he's going to absolutely eat. He may not get double digit or double, you know, score multiple times just because Jalen Hurts is also a threat in the, you know, inside the five with the ball in his hands. But I think he's a guy that you have to have to start. The other guy that I would consider if I'm desperate is um, Jarrett Patterson. If JD McKissick sits, I mean, he got carted off. I'm guessing he will. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have. Um, yeah, I heard all I heard was like, I know his agent, I think had gone on Twitter and said, he's all good, which what does that mean? I don't know if that means he's just avoided serious injury or if it just means that he's okay. Cause it was a pretty nasty collision. So hopefully he is okay. But again, yeah, it'll have to be later in the week when we find out. Yeah. So I, 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 I would start Patterson this week. If, if I'm desperate, the running back position, we're starting to really deal with, you know, guys getting hurt hoping to have these guys in our, in our lineups, on our rosters. Um, there are a couple obvious ones, I think, to start, like Boston Scott and Jamal Williams and all these. But I think if you're looking for a backup that could surprise, I think it is um, Jarrett Patterson. They're going up against the the Raiders, who they've been okay against the run. But as of late, they're actually, I would say, as of late, they've been 
really, really bad. And I think that with Heineke at quarterback and Antonio Gibson dealing with a shin injury and no J.D. McKissick, I think they're what they're going to end up doing in this game is they're going to use Antonio Gibson in the McKissick role, and I think that they use more Jarrett Patterson in the early down role. So I would not be surprised if Patterson actually outpaced Gibson this week in carries, um, and that would be like kind of like my bold prediction for this week. I think he does hit double-digit carries. I think he does eclipse 50 yards, and you're really kind of hoping, does he get a goal line plunge? So I have him in that he could do it seven points to 15 points, I would say, this week. I think that backfield's looking at 30 touches this week against the Raiders, and I think that's going to be split closer to half than it is going to be 60-40 or 70-30 in Gibson's favor. That's just kind of my hunch. I love that so much because... I have an absolute man crush on Jarrett Patterson. I love this film. He was one of my favorite running backs out of that class. So I think he's my most rostered player in Dynasty because he was so cheap. I was getting him in like the fourth round every, you know, a fourth or fifth round of all the rookie yeah. drafts. Nobody wanted him. But I absolutely love Jarrett Patterson. That would be fantastic. And yeah, I just looked up there. The Raiders are actually 28th against uh, running backs for fantasy. So they're allowing almost 21 points per game. So absolutely, absolutely great call. What better time to talk about what you're most famous for well one of the things you're most famous for obviously um then the dynasty trade calculator the main event fight so this is going to be awesome i'm super excited to pick izzy's brain and to hear his thoughts on the sort of dynasty trade calculator how it came about um and just talk some some ideas and some theory about trading and, and values and things like that but in all honesty guys seriously genuinely i don't do a lot of subscriptions and pay for this pay for that pay for all the other things dynasty trade calculator is literally one of the only things i do pay for i pay for it every year it is totally worth it it's very reasonably priced um and honestly it's just such a great tool and like i said i it's not like it doesn't make me any money i'm not i'm not hashtag not a sponsor um this is genuinely just i can't say enough about it i mean i i work with um dynasty nerds we have a really cool tool as well the dynasty gm i uh helped you some of the rankings for the Superflex. um Superflex tight end premium rankings and stuff like that as well. So we have some cool functionality um, that we really like and that's really unique and interesting to our tool. But genuinely love the Dynasty Trade Calculator, love its functionality. I love the values, um, and so I'm really, really excited to hear what Izzy has to say. Um, Izzy, obviously, I have a couple questions I would like to ask, but in general, would you mind just even maybe just going through sort of what, what where did it come from the idea of the Dynasty Trade Calculator? Because obviously, there's a couple of different ones about, and how did you manage to come up with one of the best dynasty trade calculators out there? Yeah, great question. Um, so it was actually, um, so I've known my co-founder or my, my partner in crime, John Paul Hurley, um, for greater part of about 22 years, I would say, I think 20 or 22 years, somewhere in that range. And we've been playing fantasy. So he, when I met him, I was 15 years old. So um, I was working at, at a mall at a kiosk and I w- and he was working at a mall as a manager inside of a retail store and he'd walk by and I'd, I was working at a lotion stand. So I'd actually be the, the, the young kid that's trying to like give like little finger massages, like with these little tools to, to old ladies and like rub lotion on their hands and just that whole thing. And he would always walk by and I'd go to his shoe store and I always, I was try to like get him to, you know, get the lotion on his hands and just kind of mess around with him. And then he ended up wanting me to work for him. So I ended up working for him at his store. And then he got me into my first fantasy league um, at like 16 or 17 years old. And then ever since then, we've been, we've been great friends. Um, And we used to frequent the, we actually started our first dynasty league back in 2006, I believe it was. Um, And we used to frequent the hookah bar and we used to always talk trades and make trades that are, you know, at the hookah bar as we you know smoked and had our had our dessert and the whole thing and played spades i don't know if you ever played spades before but we were big on spades and we'd always just have these debates and then finally i think it was like 2013 um we could never find anywhere to kind of cross-reference trades or rankings or so on and so forth we finally found dlf at that point and they just had rankings so we're like why don't we just build 
a calculator. We're smart guys. We've been doing this for a while. I mean, it's been six or seven years now that we've been playing Dynasty. We feel like we got a good grip on it. Let's just build it. So we did that. And by 2015, we had launched like our first iteration of it on just basically an Excel formatted um, calculator. And then we finally started funding it and paywalled it in 2017. But the idea came over just smoking hookah, playing spades and arguing about Dynasty trades. So spades and that's dynasty awesome. trades, you know, just just how everything should be. Yeah, that's perfect. I know I love um I love your guys' sort of like friendship and stuff like that and the way you guys always give each other grief and everything on Twitter <laughs> and everything is brilliant. Um it's great. I love it. Uh because it reminds me of like, you know, I don't I don't know if you've watched that, hopefully you have, but the the league, the show The League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I love that. You know, that's just such still one of my favorite shows just because it just so embodies what I love about fantasy football, which is just talking crap to each other and having banter and, you know, just going back and forth and like trades and all that sort of stuff. And it just kind of encapsulates all that. But I love you. You're in um, Hurley's like, kind of relationship there where you're always like giving each other grief and like, <laughs> like yeah. um, talking and, crap and to each other about your posts and stuff. Yeah. We're in, we're business partners too. So it's, that can sometimes lead to a lot of like animosity and frustration. And, you know, the one thing with, with Hurley and I that we've done a good job is, you know, we go at it sometimes. We argue. We kind of fight. I mean, business-related stuff, whatever. Um, we've known each other for such a long time. We talk to each other every day. And it's one of those things where we're able – everything gets put behind us. So, like, if we have a blow-up with anything, it's just – it's put by, immediately put behind us and we move forward. So, that's like a sign of good relationship and good business partner. So, I, I'm blessed to, to have Hurley around. And I, I think he'd say the same thing, even though sometimes we would drive each other nuts. So. I appreciate you noticing our our friendly uh, banter back and forth. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, man, and um, definitely. I think that that's the great thing about working with friends, you know. But like, but real friends, like not just like people you met like three months ago. It's like you have that ability yeah. to like to fight, but yet you still know your friends at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Which is yep. like really good. I think that's awesome because you have to be honest with each other. You have to be able to say that yeah, sucks or that's not good enough or, you know, that doesn't make sense or whatever, or you were wrong and then talk it out and kind of get, get there. So I, I, I love that. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you guys have been so successful is you have that really good friendship and you can kind of bounce off each other and call each other out on stuff and, and keep each other going. Because like I said, genuinely, and I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke or whatever, it's genuinely to me, one of the best, if not the best, dynasty trade calculators out there um you know it's, obviously i rank and stuff with dynasty nerds so i use that and reference that and i use um, dynasty trade calculator and that's the only two that i use um because i just i don't see the need to go you know i think you go to three or four or five different ones you're just going to confuse yourself almost at the end of the day um yeah. you know you got to kind of find a couple or one or two that you really trust or you you respect or at least and use it as a sounding board because again no trade calculator is the be all and end all um i i wouldn't run any of my leagues just through the trade calculator, but well, it's always, this is what it says. And therefore, you know, but it's definitely something that's really solid. Um, especially, you know, for me, I think a lot of dynasty players are probably the same. You know, you've got your favorites, you've got players that you are biased towards or biased against. Um, and you've got to be realistic with those, especially when you're wanting to get deals done, you've got to say, is this enough to move this player? Or, you know, should I look at, you know, grabbing a share of this player, even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan because they have been performing. And what I would ask, I mean, I'm just out of curiosity because you've been playing Dynasty for so long. Obviously, you, you know, you're very integral in the, in the Dynasty trade calculator. How often would you actually use the calculator yourself now? Like if you were going to do a trade, do you ever pull up the calculator and see what the figures say? Or do you just sort of trust your gut now because you're working with it so much? Uh, I use it like curiosity. Like, so if I'm curious about a trade, I'll pop it in there. Um, if a trade is not in my favor, I'll still, I mean, I'll still make it. So it's like, if, if I'm confident that player X is going to see a significant increase in their value, I'll pay above what the calculator says because the calculator is just like a snapshot in time. It is the current market value of players, but it doesn't project forward because it's just taking the current snapshot of what the values are across the collective. So, yeah, I'll use it, I'll double, especially with larger trades, like the three for threes, three for twos, whatever, four for threes. If I'm doing like a, a big transaction, I just kind of want to see how close it is. I'll do it. I also don't want to be offensive. So in my mind, you know, when, when you've been playing Dynasty for a long time, in your mind, you have a certain idea of what a player's value should be. However, that's not always the case when it comes to like the community. So I might be really high on a guy 
that people aren't really they haven't really come around to him or i might be really low on a guy that the community is still kind of holding out hope for or they're just high on him because of hype or whatever the case may be so i just like to be able to cross-reference to see where the current situation is and make sure that i'm not offering you know um because offensive trades so just make sure i'm in the ballpark so yeah i do use it um i would say i always check it before sending trades just out of curiosity unless it's a like a one for one if i'm doing like a one for one swap i don't because i have a pretty good idea of what the market is but it's just those those additional players that get added on that make it difficult to really figure out okay am i close am i not yeah. No, and I think a couple of really interesting points that you brought up there that I would like to just highlight again, probably even just for the listener is I think when you get first get into Dynasty, I think that people get really obsessed with this idea of like trying to like win the trade, quote unquote. Um, and you know, they, everyone gets a buzz about the idea of like, oh, I just really like fleece that guy. I just took him to the, you know, and it, and it sounds great in theory, but it's actually really bad practice because, um, you know, ultimately, yeah, you want value and you want to get the better end of the trade. You nobody wants to get screwed over in a trade, but at the same time, if you're fleecing people constantly, um, or you're trying to fleece people constantly, it can ruin leagues. It can, um, just create a situation where not a lot of people want to trade with you because they think you only want to trade with them if you're screwing them over. Um, so again, Dynasty is about long-term. So you got to think about that kind of stuff. And Dynasty trade calculators can help that. Um, they can help you sort of say, okay, yeah, maybe this is slightly in my favor, but it's not a four to one ratio of me just completely taking this guy to the cleaners and offering him one first for like, you know, three great running backs or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that you said that you know I really like I like and I wanted to kind of pull out there and just highlight to people but also it was actually one of my questions which you kind of answered but I'm wondering if you can go into a little bit more detail what are the situations where you will do a trade that actually and according to the calculator says you are getting a bad deal or you're getting the worst end of the deal. Does that make yeah. sense? Because yeah. you sort of punch it into the calculator and maybe it comes out as like 50 to you and 70 to the other guy or whatever. But you know, for whatever reason, you're like, no, I like this deal. I'm comfortable with this deal. And you go with it. What are those scenarios? Because again, I think especially people who are newer to Dynasty or whatever, if they start using calculator, they're going to see themselves in the negative and they're just going to immediately be like, nope, no, no good. You know, I don't want that trade. Yep. So it's a great question. And this is the way you have to look at it. So the calculator's values is a is a universal market, okay? So imagine having 10,000 leagues and this is right around, you know, give or take the midpoint of a player's buy and sell line of value. The issue is, is you're not trading with a universal market of 10,000 leagues. You're trading with one league. So inside of your one league is going to have significantly different values for a lot of different players. So I will send an offer. This is a great example. I might, right now, McCaffrey's hurt. So I put up a poll and just to see where McCaffrey's value is. But let's say I wanted to, I have three leagues and I send McCaffrey for Camara and I get rejected in two out of those three leagues. That doesn't mean that I don't go offer it in my third league. After my third league, it might get accepted, right? So inside of every league market is going to have a different set of values and expectations for players values so when it comes to players that i'm not high on or i no longer want a player i only have my market is the 11 guys in my league it's not the universal market my market is the 11 guys in my league so if i want to get out from under somebody and i'm just saying hey i know their value is going to continue to depreciate they're not really going to help me this year i'm just worried about them i don't want to be left holding zero equity from this player i just want to get out I will take the loss on a player and cash out on a player that I think is going to increase in value to make up for the loss that I've just taken. Um, so I'll do something like that. Uh, I think people get fixed in the fact that this is the value of the player and I'm not selling for below this value. Unfortunately, the value of that player is whatever that league is willing to pay for him. Older players tend to stagnate in value. Even if they go crazy and do really well, they don't increase in value that much. So you're kind of left deciding, okay, well, do I just want to cash out now or not? You know, a really good example of players that no matter how well they play, they're really not going to Cordero, – Cordero Patterson is a great example of this. He's absolutely dominating this season, but you could still probably – you still don't have to pay a first-round pick to acquire him. 
right? And even if you want to trade Patterson, you probably can't get a first-round pick to sell him. So if you're sitting there holding out hope that you're going to get a first-round pick for Patterson, well, guess what? It's probably not going to happen, and by next year, maybe he's not even worth a second-round pick, which is entirely possible. I, I love everything you're saying there because I think there's so many interesting nuances to Dynasty that you know when you first move over from redraft, you just aren't aware of. Um, and even just people you know that, again, maybe they believe in, in trade calculators and they think they're a good thing, but there's ways to use them and there's ways not to use them. You know, like don't be annoying with them. Like I don't like it when people like screenshot the trade calculator and send it to you and be like, this is why you need to trade me this player or whatever. But at the same time, like you said, I think it's aware it's being aware that this is roughly what the value probably is. However, in the market of my league, you know, so-and-so is not going to pay for them. Or maybe, you know, we all, you know, maybe we've all been in those leagues where people have genuine bias. Maybe like they're just real homers and they love the Seahawks. So they're going to pay more for Russell Wilson than what they even say he's worth. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily mean it's wrong. It just means being aware of what the market is. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of really, really interesting points there. Is there anything else, anything that you would say about like the the dynasty trade calculator or anything that you would say about trade calculators in general, like from your you have yeah. so much experience with them that you would be like, here's something that you need to make sure you're doing, or here's something you need to make sure you're staying away from with trade calculators. Yeah. So I would say, make sure you understand how values are determined in your league, or at least they don't need, you don't need to know the exact thing, but you just need to know, are they based off of opinion? Are they based off of, rankings are they based off of an individual like who who is deciding the values and who is not um you know for instance our calculator it's taking the unit how do we come up with the universal market it's we involve anything that you can get data on and pull into the calculator and it's weighted whether it's you know polls whether it's actual trades that are happening adp that we have all of these things will determine a player's value. Um, and we also have things baked in like injuries. We kind of already have a set amount that a player will depreciate based on historical depreciation of injuries, um, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of different things that go into it, but it's not an individual. It's not a ranking. It's nothing like that where some people are using values that are maybe one person's rankings or maybe it's 10 people's rankings. And it's just like, well, 10 people's rankings is not enough of a sample size to to give you really quality values. Another thing is like a lot of them are based off of just purely ADP. Well, guess what? If you look at ADP, you know, at the beginning of November, when ADPs are done and look at where we are today, the values of players across the entire league have changed so much in those 30 days. It's insane. Like you don't really realize that but over those four weeks, players' values change a lot. So that would be the number one thing. And then secondly, secondly, you mentioned it, screenshots. I never send a screenshot unless somebody says that it's a bad offer, that they think it's a bad offer and their perspective is different. Sure, in your opinion, it's a bad offer. But hey, I don't want you to think that I was trying to rip you off. So here's why I'm using or here's why I sent you this offer. I like it in that sense, but I don't like it when people are saying, well, obviously you're, you're winning the trade by... 1.3 points why aren't you taking it that's not really the <laughs> yeah it's, it's not how this works it's just to highlight the fact that the reason you go to something qualities because if you care about your dynasty squads you want the best information and so you might want to pay for a subscription to a certain website for the type of um, you know articles they can give you or the type of insight the type of rankings they can give you and with dtc for me it's like the reason i would pay for the subscriptions because like they they take so many different factors they take adp they're taking pools they're taking rankings they're taking all these different the factors into their their values and it's giving you that really accurate reflection so that you can give a good basis for your offers or a good basis for why you believe in a certain player's value it's not just subjective to one or two people's personal opinions on something so i think i think it's it's absolutely been fascinating and again i feel you know we could sit and talk about this for three hours i'm sure <laughs> but let's get on to uh, putting this into practice a little bit and talking about a couple of deals here and try and um, flesh it out a bit let's make a deal sold your ways 
I absolutely love trading. I mean, that's one of the things that got me into Dynasty was I hated, um, you know, putting so much time. When you just do redraft, you put so much time and passion into, yeah. like, you're so excited about draft day, and then you draft, and then you put so much work and effort into trading with your league mates that first six or eight or ten weeks, and you're building this team, and then you get to the playoffs, and then it's like, oh, uh, it's done all over. And then you find, especially you find those little diamonds in the rough, you know, maybe you got the, you know, whoever Elijah Moore and he broke out and, and you're so excited about it. But then you know that next year now you're going to have to get him in like the fourth round instead of like getting him in the 10th round. And, you know, so it's just like, and I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not telling people they're wrong for like and redraft. I get it. Redraft is its own thing and it's its own, it's its own drug. And I, and I understand that it's nice and it is fun and exciting in its own way. But for me, I love, having players that I'm really like excited about and, you know, getting and trading and creating this team. And, you know, so I, I love this about dynasty. I love trading. That's why I was really excited to have Izzy on because it's one of my favorite parts of dynasty is the banter, the chat. Um, and then, but also the trading really is probably my favorite thing of, um, of dynasty. So saying that then let's talk about a couple of trades in action. And, um, the first one, the one that I've brought to the table here is, well, I've actually got a couple of things. I've got a trade. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to break down my thought process. I'm going to hear Izzy's, um, you know, obviously insightful thoughts on it. And then I've got a live trade. So I'm going to talk through a live trade uh, scenario here, get Izzy's thoughts and we'll make a decision on the pod, whether we go with the trade or not. Um, so my first trade here was, uh, it's a 14 team, one QB, uh, PPR league. It's also got an IDP element as well. Now the team, this league is one of my only sort of rebuilding teams. So I think I'm like four and seven or something like that. Just not working. It's not happening. I've got a lot of young talent, but it's just not clicking yet. So the trade deadline was coming up this week. So what I did was I went out and shopped um, a couple of my older players and I ended up trading away um, DeAndre Hopkins and Cam Newton, thankfully before this week's performance. And I got back um, Chase Claypool, Trey Lance, and a 22 second. So for me, the reasons for the trade, it actually goes back to a lot of what Izzy was talking about in the previous segment about, for me, I love D Hop. I think he's one of my favorite receivers of the last 10 years. Um, and I by no means think that he's dust or that he's done, but I think in, in Dynasty at the moment, I feel like his his value certainly plateaued. I don't see it going up at all. Uh, even if he does come back and kill at the end of this season, he's going to be what 29, 30 going into next year. And the way that Arizona is running their offense, they're spreading it around a lot. They're getting a lot of the touchdowns going to James Conner or the running backs or even Kyler Murray rushing it in. Um, so for me as a rebuilding team, he's not a piece that I'm, I was going to hold on to and try and get more for, because I just don't know that I will get more for him. Um, and the same with cam. I mean, I literally picked cam off the waiver wire from this for the, in this league when he, when I heard that he was signing with, with Carolina. So, you know, I was able to flip these two aged vets um, for Claypool, who's a young ascending talent that I do like. Um, and Trey Lance, who I'm really high on. He was my second, um, QB in this class, and uh, I feel like I was able to get a little bit of a dip um, there for him because a really solid, you know, top ten, top twelve quarterback is something I do need in this team, um, and a twenty-two second. So that was just another little, another little dart throw for the upcoming draft. But what are your thoughts on the trade? There is he? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Um, any advice on it, or anything you think you would have done differently? No, I, I like it. Um, you know, Lance is kind of um, in a fourteen teamer. Even one quarterback is a little bit more influential to have a quarterback in there so I, I don't mind that the 22 second it's great it's just I, I like adding seconds because at the draft you can you can do a lot with them you can trade them for next year's draft you could a lot of times you can trade seconds for next year's first it's a very flexible piece especially if the drafts fall the right way for you so I like having that in the back pocket but I look at this and say let's say it's just Claypool for D Hop rebuilding I actually don't mind it Hopkins is my favorite receiver possibly of all time like i just love deandre hopkins i think he's really good i knew you really i knew you loved yeah. him so i thought this might be a, an interesting an interesting conversation yeah. to have so here's my take on this um i really think deandre hopkins will be the one of those receivers that's good until like 33 34 he doesn't he doesn't win based on athletic prowess he's very similar to to larry fitzgerald in that sense so I can see him playing for another five years at a pretty good level. Um, the thing with that is, is just because you trade him in one league doesn't mean that you can't trade for him in another league to acquire him. So I don't hate the, the idea of trading away from him now to acquire a young piece. And then maybe next year, as his value continues to drop because he gets older, 
acquire him for cheaper, especially in a rebuild. You don't need to hold on to Hopkins because his value as of today will not increase as of September next year. So it doesn't really make sense to hold on to him until next year or even in the offseason. His value is not going to increase from here. It's only going to slowly depreciate. So I don't mind getting out from under him now. Uh, I would have liked you to do that earlier, but nonetheless, we are where we are. We have Claypool, um, who I actually think is a pretty sneaky buy, only because people have soured on him. His production is isn't being buoyed by touchdowns, so he has one touchdown in the season. And if you think about it, it's kind of funny. He has twelve touchdowns in his career, and four of them came in one week. So 33% of his entire touchdown production out of his 25 games that he's played came in one week. So I think that will start to average out where these touchdowns will eventually come. And I'm not too worried about the Big Ben situation. Yeah, it sucks. But I I still think that he's going to be productive even with Ben gone. Um, Even though it's not like Ben is an absolute animal um, as uh, as a quarterback. But I'm okay with whoever they're going to bring in to replace Ben. If if he's going to pace, you know, a thousand yards or 1100 yards with big Ben, I think that he could do that with somebody that's a random quarterback, whoever that ends up being, whether they go after uh, a current backup in the, in the league now, or they draft somebody or whatever the case may be, I don't see that being a massive downgrade. So I actually really like it. Juju is going to be gone next year. Um, I think it's going to be Deontay and Claypool and Fryermuth as the top three targets in that offense, and obviously Najee in the backfield. And if, if that's the case, he's going to have a really good role as a deep threat in that offense. So I really like Claypool as a buy. I think it's very savvy to scoop him up now because um, I do think that he does ascend as soon as those touchdowns start to, the law of averages come around his way and they start to produce. So I, I don't mind at all. I think it's a great trade. Uh, you may lose in terms of production over the next couple of years with it, but I think the upside potential of it for you to see Claypool increase in value and then flip him for a better receiver, if you want, is worth the gamble in this situation. And the gamble really isn't that massive. I think those are those are my thought process. Do you have a trade that you um, that you wanted to break down? Yeah, and I've, I've made a, a few of them, and I don't know what the best. Okay, let's talk about the the Cam Akers one because it was is top of mind. Um, so, and this is kind of a f- philosophical thing. The biggest the biggest advantage you can have is setting a team expectation. Like the earlier you can decide what you're going to do with your team, the better off you are. You have a massive advantage over your peers. So, give me an example. Uh, I took over a um, an orphan three years ago. Sorry, at the end of so two full seasons ago, um, and it was horrendous. Really bad team. It was in a podcast league. Um, I took it over and I've rebuilt it to the point where I could have, if Deshaun Watson would have been healthy, I traded for Deshaun Watson and I basically said, listen, this is how I'm going to view it. If Deshaun Watson does not get suspended, and this was, I traded for him after the news, but if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, I'm going to play for next year. If he does not get suspended, I'll play for this year. Well, he didn't get suspended, but he was never really active. So I knew that I wasn't going to have Deshaun Watson this year. He wasn't being traded. So immediately I said, okay, with the uncertainty, I'm just going to roll with what I got and go until into 2023 and really focus or 2022 and focus on that. So with that in mind, I made a couple of trades for the future. Um, But the one big trade I made that I think would go against the value is when Damian Harris was was deemed out for the uh, week. I think it was week 10 with that concussion. Um, And this is November 14th. I made this trade. Ramondre Stevenson was set to be the workhorse. And I looked at it two ways. One, Ramondre can go in and absolutely dominate. Then his value goes up a little bit. Or B, he goes in there, he gets hurt or craps the bed and his value comes down a little bit. So I didn't really see a situation where his value would go out of control. But the hype of him being the starter was enough for me to, to to move him. And the other piece to this, which kind of burns a little bit now because I c- could have held on to him, but I traded him specifically because we only start nine guys in this league, and I have a lot of good young receivers that I've traded for. 
So I felt comfortable making this deal, but I gave up Darnell Mooney in the trade as well. So it was Stevenson and Mooney, and I actually tried several times over the course of the season to trade Mooney for Pratt Fryermuth in a deal, and I couldn't get it done. So I actually made this trade. Whenever I rebuild teams, I do not hang on to running backs. So I always move running backs. But in this case, I traded for an injured running back in Cam Akers. So I traded Stevenson and Mooney, and in return, I got Cam Akers. And how I looked at it was very simple. I didn't think I would have um, Ramondra in a tier with Cam Akers at any point in time over the next couple of years. So, and And also with Mooney, I think that he's a good receiver. I love Mooney. I just don't think he's a top 12 receiver. I think he's a good, you know, mid-tier wide receiver too, but it's replaceable. So I went after the guy that he's hurt. He's going to slowly increase in value. I don't need to worry about him getting hurt again because he's already hurt. So it's not like he has to come back and get hurt again on my team. He's already hurt. The only risk I take is that he doesn't return because his Achilles injury is so bad. However, at the time of this trade, he had been running and all signs where he's way ahead of schedule. And I'm not as down on Achilles injuries as everybody else. I think we leave out a lot of context. Like his Achilles injury happened, but he's probably the best running back to ever have an Achilles injury. The other greatest running back to do it, well, Aaron Foster is the best to ever have a, an Achilles injury, but Aaron Foster was at the end of his, at end of his career. But Cam Akers, from what we saw last year, his explosiveness, just how his upside, we haven't had a running back in the top 10 in Dynasty tear their Achilles. So we don't know what it's like to have an elite running back come back. Look at Foreman. Foreman just put up 100 yards in an NFL game a couple years after an Achilles tear. And that's that's Deontay Foreman. So I'm not too worried about Cam Akers. I give up Stevenson. I give up the upside of that. And I give up Mooney. But it's a Bill Belichick running back. And it's a wide receiver, too. So I acquire Cam Akers, who I still think could be a top 10, top 12 running back in Dynasty, especially with the fact that a lot of these older running backs are starting to age out. And there's really a big deficiency in these young star running backs. And I think Cam Akers, even if he comes back to 80 or 90% health, I think will double, if not triple, in terms of his current value. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think this is, this is the kind of stuff that I think is just so valuable for dynasty players especially if they are newer or just learning about trades or even just you know just to get reminded of because it's so hard i mean that is such a it is so hard to do that trade you know what i mean when you're like looking at someone who is productive right now and is doing more than maybe you even thought they would do but then to realize that the greater good is still on the other side of that of that trade especially if it's like an injured player or somebody that you know what for whatever reason you know it's 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 really fascinating to hear those kind of trades because it's really hard to do like you get if you got Darnell Mooney I got a lot of Mooney because I was really high on him this offseason I'm loving it because I got such a value on him you know I was getting him in the double digit rounds and later and all that sort of stuff and now he's like performing really well so then you fall in love with that value that you're getting right now and you find it hard to let go and flip them on for something that you know is really is ultimately worth more because if you'd have said in the offseason well look would you take mooney and ramondre stevenson for cam Akers?" people would have laughed you out of the building the the last bit here i wanted to talk to you about is a it's an interesting situation because it ties into a lot of what we've been talking about so it's a it's a live trade sitting in my inbox right now and the context is this is a league where it's a it's a league with a lot of pretty smart people, guys that write and podcast and things like that. So sometimes it can be hard to get th- deals done. This is the league I was kind of referring to earlier when I said last year I had a good team but just had a couple of bad injuries and just couldn't put it all together, ended up middle of the road, and I sort of made up my mind in the offseason. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to really try and push for it. I'm going to go for it. So I made a lot of deals, you know, traded 22 picks, traded this, that, and the other, built a team. It's a 14-team super flex start two tight end league <laughs> so it's not even just okay. tight end premium it's like you have to start two tight ends so um i Is was 14 team in, 14 team yep so 14 team super flex two tight end league so thin pickings no idp or anything like that so it's just offense only um it's a it's a thin waiver wire as you can imagine mm-hmm. and because of shrewd smart guys you're not getting a lot of deals or bargains um i two tight end league my two tight end my two starting tight ends are mark andrews and george kittle um you know i've got christian mccaffrey unfortunately um who's just gone down to injury 
I lost Chris Carson to injury, um, but I have a lot of good receivers. I've got Amari, I've got CeeDee Lamb, I've got Stephon Diggs, I've got DK Metcalf. Um, you know, I've got a pretty stacked team. So going into this last weekend, I was 10 and 1. I played the other 10 and 1 team, but I was out Amari, I was out CD. Um, I started Cam. <laughs> you get where this is going. Mm-hmm. I'm 10 and 2 now. Um, but anyways, so the guy lower down in the team uh, league has offered me because he's seen CMC go down. So he comes in, he offers me Leonard Fournette, who, as we know, is on a tear at the minute. He's been absolutely killing it this year. He offers me Leonard Fournette um, for my 22, 4th, and 5th, and my 2024 first. So it's a weird one because I'm not used to trading first that far out. Um, and and the, to be honest, this is the only league, I think, where I've actually gone to the stage where I traded my 23 first because, like I said, I'm just going all in. I'm just trying my best to win. And I was going really well because, again, 10-1, and one, um, definitely a heavy contender. But I was actually curious because I went to look, look at the calculator. You guys don't even have 24 first in the calculator mm-hmm. yet. Um, so – what are your thoughts on that? Like, where do you come down on? Like, would you go for the the plaster of like trying to push and you know, you're already this far in, do you just go even further and say, I'm going to try and win the ship this year, get Leonard Fournette in the squad. Or do you just say, do you know what? I'm just going to hold tight and see how things fall. Let the chips fall where they may. Who's your, who's your current starter instead of Fournette? So, okay. Let me think. So Chris Carson's gone. Um, but yeah. So CMC's who would he be gone. replacing in her lineup? So, so he'll be the, he'll be the, the new CMC. So I, I, this is a, like, I, I kind of went like hero RB in this. I have a lot of like, I have like, you know, uh, Naeem Hines, uh, a lot of those kind of characters for like my RBs that I just, you know, mix and match on the, on the matchup that week. So I've got like Naeem Hines, I've got, uh, JD McKissick, I've got a lot of guys like that. Yep. So basically you're replacing Hines in your lineup. Yeah, Hines or JD McKissick or Mark Ingram or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because JD McKissick, the that replacement isn't really worth it. It's only six points a week that you're getting different. That's that's coming from Leonard Fournette's forty-four point week, right? That's an aberration. Not really going to happen every week. Yeah. So let's say it's six points per week, even including it. Um, I don't, I don't love it, um, especially giving up a first. So here's how I look at this. I look at who you're going to replace and then what the difference. So come week 15, when you're in the playoffs, you probably have a buy. So you have to look at it from a week 16 perspective. Um, week 16, you should have JD McKissick healthy. Um, you have Jamal Williams. You said you have Mark Ingram and Naheem Hines. I'm kind of okay with just having Jamal Williams and JD McKissick in my lineup, mainly because when Jamal Williams was, you know, healthy, um, he's going to get you double-digit points on average. Um, you know, this last week he put up, you know, he was you know, 15 for 65, 5 for 18. Now, of course, Swift got hurt. But he's got a pretty good playoff schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, I'm more like – I'm more comfortable trading a player to acquire a running back than I am to trade a pick for a running back. I just hate trading draft picks, especially that far out, just because now you don't have a 23. Do you have a 22? You probably don't have a 22. No. You don't have a 22. You don't have a 23. Now you wouldn't have a 24, and you may not yeah. even have a championship to show for it. Yeah. No, well, that's, that's that's kind of where I was going with it as well, because I just was like, yeah, you can kind of look at it in a way of like, oh, it's so far away. I have a long time to recoup that pick and everything. But at the same time, like you said, I've already gone this far. I've kind of gone all in. And like, I'd rather just ride it out now and see how. Because once you get to the playoffs, realistically, it's it's going to be, it's just a crazy luck of the, not luck of the draw, but you know what I mean. Like, we've all had those teams where we go into the playoffs, we go to the finals, and we've got this like star studded. It happened to me last year. I got to, I went into the playoffs, like the second best team in the league. This guy like snuck into the playoffs because we had like a six teams make the playoffs and he literally had like a losing record and got into the playoffs and knocked me out in the championship game. You know, it just, you never know it's on any given Sunday. So it can happen. Your best players can get injured or you can just, you know, they just don't show up or something. So no, I, I I sort of agree with you. I was on that side of it, but I was just like, it's so, it's so fresh. Like you said, with the whole losing McCaffrey and you're sitting there and you're like, freak's sake you know this was going so well and now look at that you know and you're kind of like overreacting a little bit so now you've, you've talked me down off the ledge and i appreciate it <laughs>
Word of the Week. Right, so I am going to start wrapping us up here because I know you've got stuff to do and you've been super kind and generous with your time and I appreciate it. You have downloaded so much useful information for me and for the listeners, so I'm just going to pay you back by giving you something super meaningful and useful for you. I'm going to teach you a word of Northern Irish slang that you can use in your everyday life. So just going to tell you the word and get you to try and use it in a sentence for me and then I'll let you know what it actually means. So are you up for that? Yep. Okay, so... The word this week is Baltic. So what do you think we mean when we talk about Baltic? Baltic? Like the sea? Or are we talking about... Yep, so that, the word is like the sea. Yep, Baltic. I don't know. So I'm supposed to try to guess... Yeah, you just try and guess. Try and imagine Baltic. What do you think, as a slang term, what could we possibly be referring to when we say Baltic? Is it a noun? Is it a verb? What would you think it could possibly mean? it sounds offensive it sounds like you'd be it sounds like you'd be calling somebody an idiot so if you were to try and guess and use it in a sentence try and make up a sentence for me see what you can come up with um it'd be like what a baltic decision that was <laughs> i love it so you no know, baltic for us means cold so it's our way of saying okay. something is freezing. It's Baltic. So like the ocean, probably, um, like the like the sea, the Baltic Sea. Um, so we when we say it's absolutely Baltic, it means it's like freezing. So I, in Minnesota, I'm sure you can use that all the time. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? you just, why wouldn't you just call it Arctic? Because that's kind of why would you? It's already. I mean, Arctic is already like it's. When I think art, that's what you're trying to say. Like, why would you even? Why would you make it difficult for the rest of the world to figure out what you're saying? Well, probably because we didn't think too far into it when we were thinking of our own <laughs> slang terms. Okay. And also the Baltic is uh, Baltic Sea is probably a lot closer geographically for us than the Arctic Sea or the Arctic Ocean or just the Arctic in general. So it's probably a closer frame of reference, maybe just like oh, Baltic. Uh, maybe you go on holidays there to like the Baltic Sea, the Baltics, and you realize how cold it is in the winter. I don't know, but we didn't Fair think too enough. far into it, maybe. Okay. Um, but Fair no, enough. man, seriously, uh, genuinely, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on here. Sorry I went for so long, but I just love talking trades and I love picking your brain on this stuff. Again, guys, if for some weird, crazy, psychopathic reason you don't already, you should definitely go and follow Izzy on Twitter um, at DTC underscore Izzy E. And seriously, go check out the Dynasty Trade Calculator. It is super, super affordable. Definitely worth it if you enjoyed Dynasty, if you want to take your trading game up a level. Um, and go check out the podcast as well. It's a really good podcast. Um, he co-hosts it with his buddy, his partner in crime that we've referred to, um, at FF Dynasty Trades on Twitter. Was there anything I missed out, anything you wanted to shout out or anything you wanted to plug or anything, Izzy? No, no, not at all. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, good luck with your Week 13 matchups. Hopefully you all win and you're getting ready for the playoffs. Hopefully none of your rosters are Baltic. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate